Told y'all this was a movement. Taking up. I ain't believe You dig? Banked out. Banked out. North and South, we getting banged up. Worldwide, we getting banged up. Yeah. Call up 917-889-8041. It's the Bay Dye Radio Show. We controlling the globe, and we second to no one. Every time we emerge, we putting that work in. Bang Dye, do it for the culture. Then it's one love Wednesdays from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. with Tipsy the Trophy. And we keep making moves by coastal. Got them suckers that believe what I told you. Bang Dye, about to be your household name. And Bang Dye, mean when your pop won't change. Hello, hell for Jess, so tune in when you better be We getting fancy with Nancy on Thursday at 7pm for making headspace therapy Falling like Odell, shout out to Rochelle Networking Saturdays, about to be your movie Gotta go big, it's the only way to do it This a conglomerate, we getting to it Can't forget Fridays, gotta be inspired with Linda H While you riding on the interstate We got Sundays with sunshine from 5 to 6 While you watching on your dinner plate, make sure to tune in And tap in with the movement Cause it's about to go down, shout out Discover This Captain of the Mothership, if you ain't know that you know now Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Making Headspaces Therapy Thursdays. I am your host, Fancy Nancy, and I'm really excited and nervous about this episode. Um, This episode, I get to sit down with my best friend, Kiki. Anyone who knows me knows who Kiki is, but for those who don't, Kiki is not only my best friend, but she is my line sister. She's my sweet potato. She's just my confidant, my prayer warrior, my um, unpaid therapist. I could just go on and on. And she has agreed to come on today um, to discuss a very special topic and also one that I think really relates to what is going on right now, and that is grief. Um, This June and July, we unfortunately lost both of Kiki's parents in a three-week span to COVID-19. During that time, she also suffered from a miscarriage, and today happens to be her mother's birthday. So she is going to talk about how these losses have affected her, how she's working through them, um, the changes in her family dynamic, how she's attempting to cope, especially with the holidays coming up, and so much more. And because she's my best friend, she also made me realize that I myself have suffered with grief and loss um, from separating from my job earlier this year, um, in July of this year. So I'm going to talk about that from my perspective. But before I uh, wait any longer, let's bring Kiki in. Um, Hey, Kiki, how are you? Hey, howdy, howdy. Thank you for that introduction. Oh, of course. I could not. Um, What you call just roll you out here without the intro. I know. Oh, whatever. Don't worry. I have a very... um, 
small <laughs> fan base so far. So, <laughs> trust me, the people that are listening are definitely loving you. And I think what's more important is that you're sharing your story. Um, you're healing and sharing your story. And you're going to definitely help others who are in similar situations. Um, and that's what's most important. Thank you. So how did you enjoy celebrating um, your mom's birthday today? It was good. Um, I took the day off. I um, just kind of took it easy. And luckily, my husband, you know, Obama took the day off, too. So he was definitely there to be by my side. I got emotional and all that stuff. And we still have one more step to do. Like, you know, we bought her a cake and some flowers and some candles. So we still plan on doing that part. But I did want to, I wanted to do it after the call. Um, so that'll be later tonight. Okay, okay. Well, um, for sake of time, I'm going to, you know, jump in there and kind of just ask you some questions and, you know, feel free to tell me if you don't feel comfortable answering or if you want to move on. And if you need to, like, take a moment to breathe or whatever, just let me know because um, it's just you and I talking, okay? Yeah, which I'm very used to. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. We do this every day. So, um, guys, um, well, I'm going to start out, Kiki, asking what happened um, on the day or the days, actually, when you found out that your mom and dad had passed? Honestly, I don't even know where to start. Um, So, one thing, like a little background history is that my mom, um, me and my mom are like best friends. And back in 2012, she got extremely ill. Um, terminally ill, and she almost lost her life. So since 2012 till now, she's always been sick or some type of health issues um, that we always had to be there to support her for. And then this year, when COVID hit, uh, she was actually staying at a uh, rehab or like a nursing home, and they let her out to my dad's care, and they tested her for COVID, but unfortunately, they had released her uh, before getting the results to my dad. And they were home together. He was taking care of her. And the next day, he got a phone call, and they said that my mom was actually positive for COVID and that they needed to return her to the hospital right away, which he did. He went to go get tested immediately as well, but his test came back negative, of course, because it was within that, you know, one to three days span. But um, she still didn't feel right. And she was in the hospital. And within a week, he ended up back in the hospital. And they told him that he was positive for COVID. Um, So now they're both at the same hospital. And he, my mom was, I guess the way you say, asystematic. She wasn't really showing any signs. Um, So she was okay as far as the virus goes. But for him, within three weeks, he was on a ventilator. And then a week after that, he passed away. Um, wow. And then um, after he passed away, of course, I'm going through a lot of stress. And my mom is back at another uh, rehab slash nursing home. And I did find out I was pregnant while my dad was on the ventilator. And then maybe about two or three days after he passed, I had the miscarriage um, over the, the weekend. And uh, that was pretty rough. 
and then maybe with like you know we had his funeral and everything like that and then all of a sudden the nursing home is calling us and telling us that we pretty much need to come say our goodbyes to my mom because she wasn't doing well either she wouldn't eat she wouldn't drink um she kept denying all her medications and not even six weeks after my mom passed away um, wow so yeah so that was a lot that happened um back to back to back to back and um how did you even manage to plan for funerals and things like that especially during covid once they did pass i'm gonna tell you i went out my mind um you know cause at the same time you still have work um you still have to function and for me, pretty much, like, the basic stuff went out the window, like self-care. You're constantly getting phone calls, people asking questions about funeral arrangements, um, you know, where to take the body. And honestly, everything was a blur. Um, everything was just so fast-paced. Or maybe it wasn't, but because I was just so stuck and never really getting the opportunity to grieve one because everything was happening back-to-back, Honestly, I don't know how I made it through. Um, I, I would say that support, my family was definitely there to help support me. You know, you were there for a lot of it. You live in Georgia and I'm in Jersey. And you flew up to pretty much be there with me during these times. And uh, my husband and everything. But as far as funeral goes, with my dad's funeral, my siblings definitely stepped in more. <laughs> and then with my mom... I had to take more of like a, I guess you call it leadership approach to help plan with that. And honestly, it was a blur. I just, at that point, I became a robot and just did whatever somebody told me to do. And it was very emotional. I'm not going to lie. Well, lucky you have a very strong support system. And I was there. Everybody was there to step in and step up. So... Um, it's interesting to see that that was kind of a blur. Um, most people see act like, you know, they already have a plan in place or they're mm-hmm. going to actually sit down and make a plan. But in that time, mm-hmm. it's just seeming impossible. Yeah, it was really sad. And the hardest part about it is because of COVID. You know, usually when a family member is about to go, uh, you're allowed to be at the bedside, you know, and family comes together and they tell each other stories and they cry and they laugh but one of the hardest parts about it is that they pretty much whew, they pretty much die alone you know because no one's really allowed to visit them you could go you could say your goodbyes you know mm. about five minutes maybe pass a little prayer here and there but you're not allowed to stay with them as they um take their last breath they pretty much just call you and tell you to prepare yourself to get another phone call. And that's what you do. And you just have to kind of try to act like, you know, figure out a way to be present when you're not. And that was the hardest part for me. It was just like they they have to say their goodbyes alone. Um, yeah. Wow. And I know we talked about that yesterday. And, um, you know, is dying alone the new normal with COVID? Um, you know, this is not usually how we do things, you know. Everyone's gathered at the bedside. And I'm happy that you were able to share, like, how different 
um, grieving your family was because of COVID. So um, we also um, talked a little bit about the debate between how many stages of grief there are. Yeah. We found um, <laughs> information that said there were five stages, seven stages, eight stages, 12 stages. 12 stages. And so, right. And one thing that you said that really struck with me is, um, you know, I think it's different for everybody because, you know, you could recognize and identify some of the stages you went through and some of them you weren't as familiar with. So um, based on, you know, where you are, what what where do you think you're at now in the stages of grief and if and if you aren't familiar with the stages of grief i'm just going to read the five i'm going to read the basic five um because that's apparently um identified by kubler ross in 1969 in a book on death and dying and the five stages he said or she said i'm not sure were denial anger bargaining despair and acceptance and I went in and, and put anger slash guilt for number two and despair slash depression for number four. So based on that, just to give you a reference point, where do you think that you're at in, in, in your stages of grief? Well, one thing I realized, especially um, going through the stages, is that every day is different. Every hour is different, especially, you know, like when it first happened, you know, sometimes I'm angry, sometimes I feel guilt, um, sometimes I tell myself I accept it, but it's just, you, you never know. Um, as for me today, I think, you know, which is so awesome that today is my mom's birthday while I'm, while I'm doing this call, I'm really working on accepting it, um, and I don't know if I'm quite there yet. It's still very difficult, but today is a day where I, I'm I'm working on that. Usually, though, I'm definitely stuck in denial, um, especially in order for me to function back into the real world or to be able to find a normal, like, going to work or um, taking care of myself. I, I'm denial. Like, I haven't really accepted that my mom is gone because once I sit down and I realize she's not here, I become extremely emotional. I start crying. Or um, if I'm doing, like, something basic and I get the urge, I want to call my mom to tell her, and I realize I can't. It's like, to me, there's some sense of denial that's definitely still there that I haven't addressed. But in the meantime, I'm telling myself, I know she's gone. I know my dad is not here. But in actuality, I, I really don't. And I'm constantly dreaming about them. You know, it's it's a lot. I can definitely say, which was a very hard part for me, when everything was first going on, especially, like, after the funeral with my mom, I couldn't, I really couldn't function. And I would have to wake up in the morning um, and look at my husband and say to him, because I couldn't tell, like, I was dreaming so much. And I was dreaming, and I was seeing my mom, and I was seeing my dad to the point that I would wake up and I wouldn't even know what reality was anymore. And I would just be stuck in bed. And what would help me, which is so sad, mm. I would look at him and I would say, like, you know, that. And he like, yeah. And I was like, mommy's dead. Daddy's dead. And that's okay. And then he'll respond to me, yeah, that's okay. And then that's what that's what really helped me to get up and go do whatever mm. I needed to do that day. Mm. Shout out to Mutama. Like, he's getting the, 
medal of the year for husbands right now. Um, and <laughs> he's gone through a lot this year with COVID loss as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just amazing that you guys are are holding up. And in case um, people didn't know, Black Americans are affected with COVID-19 at nearly three times the rate of white Americans, according to documentation from the National Urban League. Um, the report, which is based on data from John Hopkins University, also shows that Black Americans are twice as likely to die from the virus. So when we say there's 250,000 people who have died from coronavirus, a lot of these families are Black families. So this episode is about how do we cope with the loss? How do we continue living, Um, especially when we're so disproportionately affected? And how can jobs, organizations, and other places support the Black community during this time of unprecedented loss? Um, just to, you know, give you a break to catch a breath, Kiki, I'll um, chime in here as well and say that I was going through my own stages of grief when I separated from my job back in July, which happened to be the same week Kiki's mom passed away, the same week of my birthday, and the same week of the funeral. And mm-hmm. I can relate to that feeling of, uh, you know, numbness and just kind of putting your head down and getting through it. And luckily, my support system um you know really stepped up but i think i went straight to anger <laughs> i went straight to anger i could skip the now <laughs> i skipped the now the now is just a river in egypt i went straight to anger i was mad i was blaming people i was blaming myself and you know i think i'm moving towards acceptance now and being able to talk about this with you even briefly shows that i've come a long way because y'all should have seen me in july that's all i can tell people <laughs> And, um, and we know, have a caller, actually. Uh, let me just see who this is. I think we might have a question, Kiki. What were you about to say before I picked this up? Sorry, real quick. I was going to say I remember the day exactly. You actually got uh, released from your job the same day my mom passed away, July 7th. So that happened to you the morning because I remember you calling me and we were trying to work through that because we were in such shock. And then that night I got the phone call and they told me that my mom passed away. And, you know, the crazy thing is, like, when you first told me that the the nursing home had called you, in my head, she was gone already. So I even tried to talk um, to people and say, you know, Kiki's mom is gone. Like, this is what's happening. Like, it's a lot happening right now. And it seemed like, you know, I just, I, I, there was no sympathy for the situation because, you know, people just didn't understand, I guess, how close I was to your family and how I spent my holidays there mm-hmm. and how I mm-hmm. literally live with you <laughs> when I come visit. And we both go visit my mom in the Bronx together. Um, and mm-hmm. just so losing them, I, 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 I felt like I was losing my mom and the only, you know, kind of dad I kind of had. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this call now and see if they yeah. have a question. Hello? Hello, are you there? Four seven zero three eight two. I won't say the rest of the digits. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Oh, hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you all this evening? We're good. I'm happy you called in, old friend. Yeah, I was interested in the topic and wanted to support you all. I think in this time, uh, learning about grief and loss and how to best support people is so important. So didn't want to miss the conversation. Okay, definitely. Um, 
on. Thank you, girl. Shade the trilogy. Hey, Nate Sasha, I did not recognize your voice at first. I'm not going to lie. I was like, who is this? <laughs> That's Nene. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> okay, girl, I'm going I'm to um, put you back on uh, mute and Does just stay there. Do you have a question? Or she's just calling to support? I think it was a support call. You you getting some emotional support there, Keith. All right. Thank you, Natasha. I appreciate that. Okay, so... And that's another thing, too, if I can add. Huh? No, go ahead. Add, please. Um, One important part of the uh, process or going through the days of grieving that I really thought... Like, I don't think I could have came out of it without this, but... I think back in March, probably like right before coronavirus started, like COVID started, um, you and Natasha started like doing the daily prayers every morning. And by the grace of God, you guys invited me. I mean, me of all people. (laughs) And we literally prayed every day. We prayed through the whole entire thing. And, um, And through it, you know, I was questioning my faith. I was questioning God's role. I was questioning everything and at the same but at the same time still understanding that he was there for me and the connection that I have with God and you know trying to find happiness I don't know I just want to say shout out to you and Natasha for being there with me every morning because y'all were a crucial part a very very crucial part and I'm forever grateful to have y'all there every morning praying with me y'all were there remember y'all were there when I found out I was pregnant Y'all were there when I found out I had the miscarriage. Y'all were there the whole time. And I'm so grateful for that. To the point that, look, she even called to show love. Y'all were a very important part. Y'all are my prayer warriors. Y'all are my angel set. So I got to say thank you for her. Oh, well, thank you, Kiki. And we're going to be here, and we're going to continue to keep praying with you. And I know um, Natasha enjoyed that. We have another caller, though. Let me see if they have a question. Hello, six seven eight. Hi, this Hello. is Marcus. I had a question for Kiki. Can you hear me? Okay, go ahead, Marcus. Thank you for calling in. Kiki, you have a question? Uh, no problem. Thanks for taking the call. I just wanted to ask her about if she noticed how her husband dealt with the grieving process uh, with the loss of the child. Um. Yeah, actually, we kind of talked about it. Uh, and I don't know if men just grieve differently than women, but he was definitely bothered by it. Um, but at the time, it was just so much going on, you know, and and he was really focused on trying to figure out how to support me. Um, and I know that it affected him. And, like, for example, uh, Nancy wanted to release balloons, for our loss after my dad passed away and after the miscarriage. So she gave me two balloons and she gave my husband two balloons and she wanted us to speak on it. I spoke about it. He didn't feel as comfortable to do it. So we did speak about it, but we was just like, you know, this is not going to stop us or prevent us from trying again. It's just unfortunate that that happened. Um, so he didn't really say like, you know, we didn't blame anybody. We really knew that it was because of stress. So we just kind of try to take the actions that if God blesses again, what are we going to do differently? So it was more so conversations on how to move forward versus how the loss affected us. Well, I was just curious, and I want to thank you for sharing that with us. I know for him. And thank you for right? your question. 
All right. Yeah, thank you. Good night. Um, so Kiki, I want to move towards like talking about moving through the grief. So Mm -hmm. what's been happening since the funerals? You know, how have things been with friends and family? You did have a great wedding and you mentioned breaking through the grief with the wedding. So what's happening now? Where we at? How's family? How's friends? And just to give a little bit of history on the wedding, how that happened. So when we realized that my mom was about to check out and we realized that her health was just getting extremely bad and we was like, you know, because the, the, the doctor, the nurse called me at this point, I'm her uh, POA, power of attorney, and they called me and they said, your mom said that she does not want to be resuscitated. She does not want a feeding tube. She doesn't want anything. And, you know, do you agree with that? And I remember calling her and she was like, yeah, don't do any of that to me. Like, don't do it. Just just don't do it. So I had to sign a document that approved that. And then when I saw her starting to what's the word, deteriorate, like kind of check out, we decided that we were going to get married because we wanted her to at least be present on our wedding day, you know, through Zoom or whatever, because that's how she was able to watch her husband's funeral. So we signed up for the marriage license. We went to the nursing home. We told her, like, you know, Mom, we're getting married. She was excited. She was still, she wasn't completely there, but you can see a smile on her face and her saying congratulations. So, unfortunately, she didn't make it to the wedding day. Um, She passed before. But by this point, we already had the marriage license, and my family was already planning the wedding. And everybody looked at me and was like, are you sure you want to continue with the wedding? And one thing, when you get the license, you only have 30 days to get married after you do it. And everything was already in action. And I just looked at my family and I said to them, as long as I don't have to plan anything, um, as long as I don't have to do nothing but show up, keep it going. And they definitely stepped up. When I was, and we ended up doing it in the backyard at my parents' house. And when I stepped out, it was like a tent. It was uh, it was beautiful, Nancy. You did my broom that I jumped over. It was nice. It was it was it was amazing to be grieving and have people just come together like that. Um, so that's why we got married. And I think if it wasn't for the wedding, I don't know where I'd be right now because it created a happy moment or a happy memory during such a rough time for everyone. Like it gave everyone a reason to. I don't know, be happy um, to think of something positive, to work on something positive that wasn't a funeral. Um, and it helped. And then after that, you know, we took a trip to AC because we couldn't leave the state. And I was able to just get away. And it, I don't know, it helped. To this day, I still think about that wedding in order to uplift my spirits. Um, and I think about it too. Oh, it definitely yeah, I know. It definitely was beautiful. Take our minds off of it. It was a beautiful wedding, and it was nice, especially for like a three-week planned wedding. I would have never expected any of that. Like three weeks, no lie, and this big old wedding in the backyard. Definitely COVID safe. Everybody was six feet apart. We didn't have tables. You know, we had a DJ. We had a cake. It was nice. It was beautiful to see how much my family came together for that. I, I can't believe it to this day. And um, But when I was grieving, even before the wedding, one of my main parts is that I really focused on trying to figure out how I was going to go back to work. Because at this point, I'm not working, you know, and the job that I have is maternal child health, and I work with moms who are pregnant or just had a baby. And um, 
it is very demanding as far as I'm like focusing on their needs. And of course, when I'm grieving, I can't even focus on my own needs. So I spent a lot of time telling myself, all right, Kiki, you just need to learn how to function again. Like your goal is to function again, function. Like what does that look like, function? And that's when I had to start waking up and ask, you know, asking him if my parents were really dead, you know, stuff like that. And so I ended up in the denial phase because in order for me to function again, I couldn't constantly keep acknowledging that they weren't here. It couldn't be both. Um, and to this day, and you know, you I, have to, I have to make time to grieve. Go ahead. No, no, and this goes, goes along with what you're saying, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but you mentioned that... Um, you know, you're, you weren't working at that time, and then you're talking about how you need to, like, process going back to work. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that your job did to support you through, through this process and help you ease back into work. I am very grateful for my job. I mean, they gave me pretty much all the time I needed, even though I knew I was bugging because it was about three weeks, four weeks. Like, that time between when my dad passed, up until my mom passed, even up until the wedding, I was like reporting to work, you know, because it's remotely, but I wasn't as productive as I usually am. Like, I am very hands on, it's very obvious of all the work that I do, you know. So, when all this is happening, it's very obvious that I don't have that same momentum that I did before. And all I had to do was just talk to my boss, you know, and she just says, Well, just keep me in the loop, family comes first. And it's my parents, so it's like, it's not like you know, I, I don't know. So they were very supportive. I mean, beyond supportive. And um, even up until when my mom passed away, my boss and a coworker actually came to my mom's funeral, which was beautiful to me. I was not even expecting that. And they were just very supportive. They watched the wedding on Zoom, everything. Um, and I knew that it was a difference between how supportive my job was and how unsupportive your job was. And it made me appreciate them even more. I had a job to come back to after checking out for so long. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And the reason why, and I've complained to, I don't know if I was talking to you about this yesterday, or was it maybe Natasha, but I was saying that what kind of, like, grieving is a very long process. And jobs only give you three days of bereavement for each family member. Like, how is that even possible? So if your family member dies today and you got to take three consecutive days, to grieve and then the funeral is not till next week what am I supposed to do take the day off I never I'm, now that I'm like gone through this grieving process I never I can never understand how that works I never will because there's no way that you, especially if it's a mom or your husband or your child and they tell you that you're only allowed to grieve for three days that's ridiculous so, um that's my opinion and then then for for me as well like being again adopted my familiar ties are very different from some so again I feel like because it was not my parents it was like all right just go deal with it and keep it moving like you know this shouldn't be knocking you down because you know it's not really your family I guess I guess that, that was the feeling and sentiment I got and then um I remember going the week I flew to go to your dad's funeral I was told to prioritize my things at work because that was what paid my bills mm -hmm. and I was just like uh, I'm literally, like, about to leave and go to a funeral. Like, I don't, I guess, you know, and then coming back, and then now I got to go back to the next funeral. Or I think waiting for your mom to pass was worse than her actually passing. Yeah. Because um, you're just waiting for this phone call. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still trying to get things done, but it was just like, I don't know. It was just, it was just, uh, I guess, miscommunications. I don't know. It just, it was not the same um, reactions from your coworkers and from your boss. And to even see your boss show up to your wedding and your coworkers, I didn't even get a card. And I think that's yeah. what hurt me a lot, too, because I often spent a lot of time trying to, like, raise money or get cards signed or do things to support other people when I knew that they were going through something personally. But it was like, you know, that that wasn't the culture there. And so, if anything, it made me really, really um, value the culture of an organization going forward mm-hmm. and know that for mm-hmm. me purpose, personally, with the things I've gone through in my life, I need coworkers and supervisors and directors who are going to like um you know just be a bit more compassionate and like mm-hmm. like someone somewhere where the culture is already like that um because you know i remember at my my job prior to we used to throw birthday parties for the co-workers going away parties we was always doing something and putting in five dollars or something and that's you know that's what i got used to i guess <laughs> so mm-hmm. um you know and i even love to see how your organization supported you even when you came back and enrolled you in like grief classes and did a whole yeah they did uh, yeah that was cool they were pretty much planning events that was really focused around grieving now I don't know if they did it for me or whatever it may be but they had like a lot of grief workshops and they signed me up and I would see my name on there I'm not even working yet and or, or maybe I am but you know they signed me up for that they had like a paint art um like grief paint art therapy or something like that and they looked at me and it was like you're not working this event you're going to be a participant and I participated I didn't have to work it so I was a guest at my own job event um you know they just do that and even I think tomorrow is actually another one that they're doing another paint art release and it was like aren't you participating and I was like no I'll work this one so they're still expecting you to be a guest you know stuff like that they're fully supportive and as you're saying that i'm really thinking like you know when you go to your interview and they tell you your health benefits and your packages you should really ask about their grief package or like like how many days do they give you for grieving or you know what do they do if a family member passes away because i really feel like i don't know i'm still stuck on it but three days is not enough and i don't know something needs to change like they really want us out here to be robots and just, you know, constantly work for the man and, you know, give you time and like, give you a best part of you. I don't know. And, and you're not getting anything back. So I don't, I don't, now you really got me thinking about something that needs no, to be changed. No, it was definitely amazing. I remember even that, week, even that week that I went up for your dad's funeral, um, I, we launched the um, Central Georgia Black Giving Fund on Juneteenth. And so I was still technically working. I even, when I flew into New York, I had a meeting on Zoom, and I took it at the I airport. <laughs> I so it, it, I remember you came to pick me up, and I had to tell mm-hmm. you because I was in the meeting. <laughs> so it's like I, I was still trying to work and be there for you and show them that I, I, you know, still care. But it was like, I don't know, it was, just, it was a different culture. I'll just leave it at that. So mm-hmm. moving forward, what, what coping skills have you used during this crisis that you would rely on again and, and recommend to people? Um, I definitely had to get a therapist. Um, I joined grief support groups. 
I feel like a very big part in this process is when I joined that group. Um, I had a sex at the time, and I'm going to be very honest, I'm quick to drop a therapist. You know, it's kind of hard because you sit and you build relationships with these people, but if you're not getting your cup filled, which I'm very good at noticing, I will just dodge it. But I was having a very, very rough day, and uh, I needed someone to talk to, and I found a grief group. And I, it's every Thursday. It's actually today, and I told them I was doing this, so, you know, not to expect me, but it has been so helpful. Uh, the lady who leads the group, she's a clergy, and there's about five or six members in the group right now, maybe, maybe a little bit more, and everyone has suffered a different kind of loss, whether it's they lost their husband, um, they lost uh, a sibling, um, maybe like other forms of miscarriages, um, and we all come together, and now it's seriously a family now, and we do different activities, and it really helps, you know. It, it taught me different coping skills or different um, different ways I could handle my stress depending on what stage I'm in. And actually, it was that group that helped me realize I was still in denial. Um, so yeah, that's a big part. So if anybody's grieving, I completely encourage you to join a, a, a grief group, any kind of group. If you're a man, join the all man's group. If you lost a husband or a wife, maybe you could join one with just, you know, that. But I encourage everyone to get a, a therapist for themselves, you know, that they talk to one-on-one and then join a group. Because you need to um, talk it out. You need to express your feelings, whether it's anger or sadness. You need to. You can't hold on to it. Because if you don't, it's just going to come out when you don't want it to, <laughs> honestly. It's going to come out in ways that, that, that is not, that's not healthy for you. So um, that's definitely coping. Of course, praying with you guys is a form of coping. Um, coloring I had to when when everything was happening and I'll be very honest and open with everyone I was drinking extremely too much so I, I had to cut that out in order for me to really allow myself to feel the emotions because I was numbing myself too much um so yeah I just wanted to share that part and so at what point in that process did you say to yourself do I need psychological help Oh, do it all. Oh, do it all. I was. I thought I was bugging. It was one part where I even reached out to a psychiatrist. I was like, listen, I'm having issues. I'm having, like, mood-altering problems. I don't know myself at times. I can't get out of bed. And one, one uh, psychiatrist put me on some kind of medication, told me to take the medication, told me she'll call me back in a week. I took it for, like, three days, and I didn't like how I felt, and the psychiatrist never called me back. And from then on, I was like, I'm not going to rely on medication right now. I need to figure out how to get myself back together without it. But I was going through all types of emotions. I mean, one minute I was crazy, one minute I was funny. It was was a lot. It was just a lot. I just hate how hard it is sometimes to navigate the mental wellness industry when you're actually going through something. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we don't have these things in place prior to facing a crisis. And so in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the tears, you're trying to find someone, evaluate people, and it's really just not the time to do it. And that's why... Um, I'm happy that I started making Headspace and I'm hoping to keep um, evolving making Headspace so that it's there for people to easily find resources available in making and, you know, hopefully, you know, anywhere and to get that help 
before they need it, you know, so that they're just figuring out their own formula to make their own headspace. So when something does happen, they already have a plan in place, you know. Um, that's exactly. what I would love to see one day. Um, so, and, uh, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, especially with the COVID, everything, everything is harder. There's no type of um, in-person interaction. And I think a lot of times, especially with mental health or mental illnesses, they need to see you and watch your progress. Um, and that's not allowed right now. So I feel like people are suffering even more these days. I think people are definitely suffering more, especially if they were already, like, suffering prior to. And I think that um, a lot of people are having, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're finding difficulty managing their mind these days. And COVID made us realize the reality of the lack of mental wellness resources and the need for them. And how this is all a spectrum. Mental wellness is not black or white, you know. And mm-hmm. even if you don't die from COVID, you won't survive COVID without mind management, with everything mm-hmm. that we've been through. Um, so even if you're still here, there's going to be a reckoning um, once, you know, we cope with these 250, a quarter of a million people gone. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have new levels of paranoia with these people wearing masks and wanting to be clean mm-hmm. and don't breathe on me, don't, don't sit on next to me. It's just, it's a lot that's going to happen and we're going to need my management. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be fancy Nancy if I didn't ask you some questions about you. And if we, as we wind down, down um, I want to, you know, just, just, you know, chat with you, just Kiki Nancy style. And so um, I have a question for you. Um, that I think will help you now, you know, kind of think ahead and, you know, think about moving through this process. So just imagine yourself in three years, okay? Three mm-hmm. years. That's 2023. What do you hope will be different about you then compared to right now? What do I hope that's different about me? Well, I hope I got more money. Um, ah, I, hope, <laughs> I hope I'm further along in my career. Um, at least I know I am. And uh, where do I see myself? Hopefully with some chickadees walking around, some family members, some new, new kids, uh, traveling more. Um, I really do want to figure out how to, you know, I say money, but I'm very serious about that. My goal right now is to really figure out, especially watching my mom pass away and, and my dad and who had a will and who didn't, the importance of legacy and the importance of, taking care of your bloodline, you know, all those that come after you. So anything that I'm doing within the next three years is going to be focused on that. Um, And, of course, I want my body to look right. You know, if I ain't busting out a bunch of kids, that means I'm working on my health and what that's going to look like. So I'm declaring it. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. I'm very serious if I, if I did No, I love that. And declare away. Make those declarations because, um, like our my guest last week, Natasha said, we need to make wills. We need to have trust. We yeah, need to it's true. put things in place. That's like, you it's know, so going true. to take care of our, our family for years to come. I had to record my mom after after. Because we realized that my, my dad was going to pass away before my mom. 
and I had to do a visual of recording my mom saying what her what she wanted her will to be. And we took that and turned it into a um into an actual will document and then we got the person to notarize it and she signed it. And that's how we were able to even have a will for her. But as far as his stuff goes, it's still you know, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. So I'm glad that Natasha is taking on that mission because it's so, it's so much easier, especially if you're grieving, because grieving is ugly. So if you're grieving, you're not trying to sit here and focus on stuff like that. That needs to be taken care of. You can't do both. And then by you know it, by the time you know it, it's too late, because they put deadlines on when you can submit paperwork and all this other extra crap. So if you can oh, do wow. that before, yeah, if you can do it beforehand, and that's one last thing that your family members have to worry about, I completely encourage it. Me and Madonna was already talking about what's that going to look like. We already talking about our policies and, you know, even thinking about starting, like, college funds for kids, you know, for, for our future kids and those kind of stuff, like, just planning ahead. Like, you, you never know. And if you could just make it easier for those you love, why not? But anyways, yeah, go ahead. No, but you're no, you're so right. And like I brought up the example of Chadwick Boseman and his wife like mm-hmm. trying to figure out his estate and you know, not having that in place even knowing that you are sick. And so definitely um wanna get uh wills in place and also many people don't know that you can open up trust, you can open up funds, you can open up and support um charitable ca- charitable causes and issues that you uh love through your life insurance, through your wills. You can leave mm-hmm. 5 10% of that policy to open up a fund or to support something or to set up scholarships for your kids. I mean, you, you really need to get with financial advisors and start mm-hmm. asking questions. Even if it's just your tax repair, just start asking questions. Mm-hmm. Ask some questions and have input and action to whatever you decide. Because one thing to get the information, understand the importance of it, but if you're not acting on it and then you pass away, then all that was for nothing. You know, it's the actual action part. You know, just to, even if they take a little bit of money out your check and you complain about it, it goes a long way. I mean, it goes a long way. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how it's not really in our community as much. Or, you know, they don't really talk about it. But that that's something that changed. Right. And now we are talking about it now. Um. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... My next question is, um, you know, you've definitely been through a lot, and I'm pretty sure you've developed a lot of skills and solving problems, you know, and that's what you do at work, and, you know, now you're working on solving your own problems, but you solve those problems as a human, you know. You don't really have any other faculties but your human capabilities. So I'm just wondering, you know, in another planet, how would you solve your problems if you were from Mars? How would I solve my problems if I was from Mars? I don't know, float around? Because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I just say, if I was on Mars, I'd probably solve my problems differently from how I do it on Earth. So I'm just wondering what you would do. I mean, I, hardly, I mean I'm still trying to solve my problems. Um, if I was in Mars, I don't know. I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking that maybe they're saying, I, I have no idea. That question is so bizarre. How would I solve my problem if I was in Mars? Don't worry, you have plenty of time, so just think on it. <laughs> I'm literally, all, all my brain keeps telling me is float around. Um, Ooh, 
You can just float over the problems. Or you, you, yeah, you just float right yeah. over it. Float to another continent and come back. I mean, um, I know that I'm looking back, I would definitely handle a lot of stuff differently. Like I said, I probably would have grieved differently. Um, so, I don't know. If I was in Mars, I would definitely seek help in other ways than what I tried to do it when I was going through stuff. I would definitely reach out to an alien or whatever type of person and see how they handle their situations and try to incorporate that in my earthly life. Um, oh. Oh. Thank you for yeah. tackling that question. Look I tried. You. you have the ability to be very thoughtful. Look at you. It was great. I think that was a great answer, especially for, you know, those fancy Nancy questions. And what I'm hearing you say is that what you would have done differently in this process, regardless of whether you are on Mars or not, is um, seek out someone who had been through grief and ask them to go through this process with you. Mm-hmm. I take their key parts and what helped them and see if I could apply it to my life. If I would have done stuff differently here, I would have done that sooner. I didn't even know grieving was a thing. People had to look at me and be like, girl, you're grieving. And I'm like, oh, that's what's happening to me? I had no clue. We throw around the word grief like it's nothing. Or like, oh, they're just grieving. Like, no, grieving is an actual thing. Grieving is ugly. Grieving is emotional. And I was just talking to Natasha yesterday, and it's not normalized. And it needs to be. But go ahead. Well, you know, um, I'm so, like, intrigued by your answers that I just want to throw some more questions at you and just get to know how you think a little bit more. You know, since I talk to you all the time, I got to I gotta shake it up, all the time. you know? I see that. Right. I was not so, expecting that. Yeah, this is who I am. This is who I am. So um, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, just trying to understand how you think a little bit more. Since, you know, we live in 2020, age of future, um, how would you explain what the Internet is to a caveman? The internet is an extension of your brain. Um, All the things that your brain doesn't have the capacity to hold or all the questions that you think you might know the answer to, there's a whole source that you can just click a button to get any answer that you want. So if you want to sit there and argue with somebody, what's a button? All right. It's a form of technology. It's a square box that you can push words into, your caveman words. You know, the stuff that you carve on walls, you can take that, and there's a word that spells it out, and you could type it in on the keyboard. You know, it's it's a little thing that has a bunch of letters on it. Of course, we would have to spend some time, Mr. Caveman, to teach you letters, but once you know, I also feel like I'm talking to the girl from, um, what's that, what's that? The Fifth Element, remember? Oh, and, right. And right. then she learned how to use the computer, and then she just downloaded everything on her brain. It would be something right. like that. Okay, okay. Um, when you're playing Monopoly, what piece do you choose and why? I usually pick the car, but the people I be playing with, they don't even give me the chance to get the car because everybody wants the car. Why do you want the so car so bad? Because it drives, you know? <laughs> Just drive right through the board and take everybody money. <laughs> but, uh, by, the time, by the time I try to get there, I either go for the hat or the shoe. But I think I usually go for the hat. 
I couldn't tell you why. Because okay. it's easy to hold, to move it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I prefer the car. Okay. And then if I you the because be... I'm like, I'm kicking everybody's butt. But go ahead. Oh, because you're kicking everybody's butt? Really? Mm-hmm. I beat you in Monopoly mm-hmm. all the time, but, you know, we're, we're uh, Exactly my point. What did you say? I was going to think of a time where I was playing Monopoly with uh, with somebody, and I thought you, I thought it was you, but it was actually Bonnie and Sean. So, a different oh. time. Shout out to Bonnie and Sean. I'm going to come beat Shout that out. two of Monopoly today. I'll be back Sorry. up there. So, this, you know, more just, you know, more questions. You know, just trying to get to know you more, Keeks, and just, you know, mm-hmm. wind down from our heavy conversation. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, we have 50 states in addition to the District of Columbia. And if you could be any state, what state would you be and why? <laughs> Is it temporarily or permanent? It's permanent. You're going to be ter- permanently turned into that state, but I'll be able to visit you. You'll come visit? Um, yeah. I would go to... No, you're going to be turned into that state. We're, we're in Mars, and you're going to be turned oh, I'm into a that turn- state. I'm you- you're going to physically turn me into the state? Into that state. You're going to be that... Everything that that state embodies is going to be you. What state is it and why? I don't get it. Am I going to be turned into the state or am I moving and living into the state? And I'm now like, no, you're going to be California. Turned into the state. It's a magical world. We live in a magical world. Somehow, Harry Potter came and turned you into the state of. Okay. I would be turned into the state of. I want to say Hawaii, but then they got volcanoes and I'm not trying to erupt. Um. <laughs> And then I thought about California, but that's just a big state, and I'm not trying to be big. <laughs> <laughs> Love your thought process here. Keep going. <laughs> and then I got Florida, but Florida got a bunch of crazies, so I don't know if I want a bunch of crazies living on me. <laughs> right. So what's left? Yo, is that enough? I think I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to regret this after I hang up, but I may want to be Jersey a little bit. I knew you were about to say dirty jerk. I knew you were about to say dirty jerk. You are where you come from. Why jersey? First half, let's take out dirty. And then um uh, because said put some respect on jersey days. <laughs> it is the garden state, you know? It's it, it's very fruitful, beautiful, it has a lot of space and yet still very highly populated. It's diverse. Um, you know, there's a lot of possibilities here. It's close to the ocean. So you have beautiful views on that side. You know, you have all four seasons. It's very, it's a lot of possibilities. A lot can happen here. Only thing I'd probably change is the medical system. I'd probably shake up a lot whenever I see something wrong. But, um, yeah, other than that, and it's small, so I'm not going to be big and overweight, you know, like that. You're a steak. You want to be a big steak. I already fell in love with Jersey because of you, but if you turned into the state of Jersey, I would definitely come visit you. I'd plant a tree in Jersey for you. Or Okay, I'm just going to not finish that sentence. It just sounds weird. But thank you for answering my weird, fancy, fancy questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you. It brought a smile to my face, so I'm glad we ended that way. 
that's all I want to do. That's what I'm here for, girl. And um, I want to go ahead and wrap up this episode and say thank you to all my listeners. Um, keep tuning in to Therapy Thursdays at 7 p.m. Um, I'm going to be doing uh, more interviews. I'm actually probably going to be visiting a location next week. Um, so just keep an eye on Making Headspace's Instagram page and Facebook page so you can keep updated and see what's coming next. In the meantime, if you haven't already, please enter my 30 Days of Gratitude contest. Um, I, if you're not familiar, I am giving a laundry service, pickup and delivery included. Um, one of the things that I realized dealing with anxiety and depression is that you don't like to do laundry sometimes when you're not feeling good. That's literally the last on the list. And so it helps to have services that will help you during difficult times or just help you everyday life. Sometimes the laundry basket just piles up. And so if you're interested in having free, free laundry services, um, pick up and delivery included up to 50 pounds, please Go to Making Headspaces IG page or Facebook page and post a picture of something you're grateful for. Um, November is National Gratitude Month. Post a picture of a place, person, or thing you're grateful for, past or present, and you will be entered into winning this contest. Um, my lucky winner uh, from last month just had her laundry dropped off uh, to her, I think, today. So... Um, you'll be in time for the holidays. So just go to either one of those pages to get more information. Yes, Kiki, you have to be in making to get the services. Um, you know. I will see if I can expand in the future. So thank you all again for listening. Shout out to my callers, Natasha and Marcus. Thank you for listening. Um, and thank you, thank you, Kiki, for tuning in and for sharing your vulnerable and authentic story and journey with us and i'll be talking to you real soon yeah happy birthday mommy oh yes let's close out with saying a big 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 happy birthday shout out to siggy and we hope that you enjoyed this episode listening from heaven (laughs) Mm -hmm. you uh guys next week thursday at seven later kiki thank you bye bye